This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To the cheese heads who want it fresh and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral. This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein and... Once again, here to recap a Packers loss. Packers fall week eight to the Vikings at Lambeau Field, 24 to 10. Perry, it was a, a trick of a game, I guess, terrible. But the, the treat that came out of this weekend was a Rashawn Gary mention. So let's start the show by talking about that, because that's the good news. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, I think the Packers knew that this team needed something positive because man alive. Um, yeah, this is a good thing. Um, Rashawn Gary. I mean, I don't think it really needs to be said, um, but we can say it like he's more than deserving of this extension. Um, he's one of the best edge rushers in the league, even with coming back from a torn ACL. I think his stats don't lie. The eye test doesn't lie with the way he plays on the field, but I think more than anything for me, um, it's just like it's the work ethic, it's the leadership he brings to this team, it's the energy, it's just who he is as a human being. Um, He's the guy that you build that side of the ball around. You build a defense around Rashawn Gary um, and this team right now, especially I think when you're looking at like who are your pieces that you're building around? Who is the future of this franchise Um, to lock up the guy that, you know, like unequivocally is one of those pieces is, is really huge. And I actually think from a contract perspective, it's a really nice number. It's not too high. It's perfectly respectful for where he is in his career is going to keep him in all of his prime years. It's just like a really good deal all around. And I'm, I'm really stoked for him. Yeah, so it ended up being a four-year, $96 million extension in new money. Ends up rounding out to like $107 million overall with a signing bonus of like a lot. About $34 million. Yeah. yeah, so obviously the Packers snag one of their first rounders. Um, keep them long-term from the 2019 draft. Obviously, Savage also on IR now, so I'm sure what will happen with him. But at least for the foreseeable future, we've got Rashawn Gary in green and gold, which is about the best news you could have hoped for after 
you know, another down performance. But before we get into the game, since we're kind of already talking about it a little bit, trade deadline, of course, is on Halloween tomorrow. If you're listening to this, you the trade deadline may have already passed. But since it's Monday night as we record this, do you have any thoughts about players? You know, do you want the Packers to be buyers? Do you want them to be sellers? Do you think there's any movement at all? Or do you think it's just another year of a lot of rumors and the Packers doing absolutely nothing? I think it's the latter, um, <laughs> if I really had to guess. Um, I don't know, man. It's I think what they do at the deadline says a lot about where they think this team is. Um, I personally actually don't want them to do anything. I think doing anything right now is a really rash decision, and I just don't think that, like, we've really seen enough from this team to make any decisions. And it's not like the Packers have a lot of like wiggle room. I think if you go out and you spend the money that you do have to get a player, it's like, it's not like this team is in contention for anything. So you're not going to be buyers. If you're going to go out and sell and you're tanking on this season, then I think you're doing this team a disservice because you're not even giving them a chance to like, take the back half of the season and see what this young team can do with it, you know, like start to put some things together. Um, Then you're just saying, we've decided we've given up on you. We don't really believe in you anymore. And I don't like that attitude either. So I'm actually cool if they do nothing. Um, I I know that that's boring and I know it's not very fun and exciting, um, but I feel like that's just the rational approach Um, This was always going to be evaluative and this was always going to be kind of a we're going to be 500 type of year. Now I know that they're well below 500 right now, but it's just kind of like the way the cookie has crumbled. I don't know. How do you feel? I mean, I I go back and forth about it because I see like a veteran running back or wide receiver or tight end, like coming in and moving the needle. I know the Packers have been like, they're always in rumors, right? Like right now it's that they're invested or or looking for a potential running back to add, but unless they're trying to, you know, sign someone that they could lock up for like three years with the uncertainty of the room next year, it just doesn't make sense to me. You have Emmanuel Wilson on the roster who you haven't even given snaps to. You have James Robinson. Like if they want to look for young, cheap guys, I just don't see, you know, trading away the assets that you're looking to have in the draft. Now, if there's like an, a veteran offensive lineman that's maybe available, I could potentially see the Packers considering that because I think the left tackle experiment is not what we want to see from this Packers team. And if you're truly trying to keep Jordan Love upright and evaluate his performance, you know, it starts with the offensive line. So that would probably be the move I'd be like super comfortable making. I don't think anything happens on the offensive side of the ball. I guess I think if like Goody gets an offer, he can't refuse for someone on the defensive side of the ball. I wouldn't be shocked if there's like some movement because I think right now he knows what he has on his offense and his defense maybe gets an overhaul next year if there's a new coordinator in town too. But yeah, I think all this is just like hypothesizing about what ifs and I don't think the Packers actually do anything substantial before the deadline. Yeah. I agree with you wholeheartedly on the offensive line. Again, like, If it's going to aid in, like, the goals of this season, then sure. You know, like, 
don't be rash. But again, like there's very little wiggle room, I think, in terms of like what you can actually do at this deadline. I just don't think that like going out and being sellers and thinking about the future and draft capital is like, again, going to aid in the goal of the season, which is like right. ultimately like what is Jordan Love? Um, because you handed him this like very young roster that is not helping him whatsoever and draft picks for the future and no a worse defense and like no Aaron Jones and like no more offense like any of his offensive linemen are also not going to assist him in understanding if he's the quarterback of the future like every move that you are making right now even at the trade deadline is should be how are we answering that question yeah and I mean like I know Preston Smith is one of the the buzz names because his contract would help the Packers to get it off their books, but he just came off like his best game of the season against Minnesota. So to move on from him, like, I guess maybe there's a mindset of like, you have Lucas Van Ness and you're giving him additional opportunities, but yeah, I think you're starting to get thin at certain positions. Like, you know, we thought corner was going to be like this room of riches and depth going into the season. And then Jair has a back injury and Eric Stokes goes right back on IR with a hamstring. So like, I think what we're seeing here, especially on the, on the offensive line is that you think you have depth one game and then by the end of another game, you don't. So we'll see what happens. You know, like we said, listeners, you might be listening to this after the deadline going, wow, they were way off base or wow, not surprised. Nothing happened just like we expected. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I guess uh, I guess now is the part of the show where we actually have to talk about the game that we watched yesterday. Do we though? Do we? <laughs> yeah, this is an eight-minute episode, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you. Um, I I I said this on Pack a Day, right? I feel like you can you can kind of just rehash any episode from the last four weeks. Just hit play, whether it's Pack a Day, Packs what she said, reporting is eligible whatever podcasts you listen to in the Packer sphere and you're going to hear the same stuff just regurgitated over and over again, because I don't know how many different ways we can say the same things. Fine. You want to hear something that I officially feel like very steadfast in that's different. Yes. I actually don't think Jordan loves the problem. Oh, absolutely not. There I, I, I have, I've been saying like, it's all things. I just really don't. I, I think of maybe it could be him if everyone around him was playing well and like perfectly and he was playing poorly, but I think I officially feel after this game that that man is doing everything he possibly can for this offense and the pieces around him are, are letting him down. That That's how I feel officially after this Vikings game. I mean, like he got off a pass in the middle of a sack. He was slinging it down the field trying to put together some kind of like come from behind drive and his receivers and his running backs are just dropping passes. I mean, there's not much more that you can do. I actually got into an argument with my father because he was like, why is he throwing it into triple coverage? And I'm like, I'm sorry, but you're six, five receiver in Christian Watson. He should be making that catch in the end zone respectfully like that was there for him it was in his hands like it's not always going to be a perfect throw your receivers are going to have to make catches that Jaden Reed interception not on love your receiver makes that catch if that was Aaron Rodgers throwing that ball are you blaming that interception on Aaron Rodgers like that's what I want people to be asking themselves are you looking at these throws and you blaming Jordan Love because you want to blame your first year quarterback like look at this in a vacuum I'm not blaming that interception on love 
Jaden Reed had it in his hands and he allowed a defender to rip it out of his hands. Like drops after drops, your offensive line just like crumbling in front of you. I, I don't know. Someone is going to have to make a play for this guy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, it, I, <laughs> so we're going to have to make a play for this guy. And I mean, like, if your argument is that he should throw a better ball, that's not going to happen 100% of the time. Aaron Rodgers and his last, I mean, his career ended at Lambeau Field on a pick. Like, it's not always going to be a perfect situation. And I see, you know, the argument that we talked about it last week, right? Like, if Jordan Love has to have a perfect situation around him, then he's not the guy it's not even close to like mediocre right now on offense. Like it's not even like a four out of 10. Like it's not even an average situation for a quarterback to be in right now. Your offensive line just is not blocking defensive linemen. The runs getting stuffed two yards behind the line of scrimmage. Jordan Love led the team in rushing yards with 34 yards on Sunday. They had 74 yards total on the ground. And yeah, I mean, like you said, the pick, all those things swing momentum so aggressively that like I mean what could you do at that point it was 24 to 3 before they even blinked the pick is returned 43 yards on the very next play Addison blows past Jair for a touchdown and it's like okay well there it is pack it up like it's just this team is and okay should they be scoring points in the first half yes obviously this team is starting behind the eight ball somehow every single week and I don't know if they need a different script or if it's literally just bad execution of the things that Matt LaFleur is calling, but they just, yeah, it, it's, it's really hard to look at that. Kyle said it really well on Packaday and you and I talked about this too in the, in the DMS earlier, but like you can point to at least five or six things that are wrong with this team. And even this offense before you look and say, yeah, Jordan love is on that list. Yeah. I mean, I think you get brought up a, a point that I want to go back to, which is like, it's the NFL. It's not going to be perfect. This isn't college. Guys aren't going to be wide ass open a hundred percent of the time. You can't you get going, down. Like you are going to have to make contested catches in the NFL. Like you are going to have defenders draped over you. Like you are going to sometimes have to throw into double coverage and trust that your guy is going to go up and make that catch. And even sometimes, like you're throwing at guys one on one, and they're not making the catch. You know, the Packers are 0 for 7 on contested catches versus the Vikings. They're 9 for 43 on the season. Christian Watson, who's your big body speedster, is 0 for 8. I mean, come on. The only one who can do it is Romeo Dobbs. Like, you need to have someone else who can make a catch against coverage. Like, this is the NFL. I'm sorry. Like, I will gladly point to places where I think Jordan Love made a bad throw or made a bad read or shouldn't have taken the sack and held onto the ball too long. He does that sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes he waits a beat too fast. Like there are moments where he does that, but I'm sorry. He had plenty. He gave these guys opportunities in this game, especially 
they were, they were down 24 to 10 and there were two drives, two drives where they made it down into the red zone, zero points, not because of Jordan love. So if you, and I'm getting really sick of the discourse, especially from fans on Twitter who are just like very quick to blame the QB. And I need everyone to take a step back really quick right now and ask themselves, why is it that you're so quick to blame the quarterback? I get it. It's easy to. He's the face of the franchise. He's the one that holds the ball. He's the most important player on offense. But I don't know how you watch this Vikings game and come away thinking that Jordan Love was the reason why they lost this game. Because yeah, I'm pointing to drops, and I'm pointing to poor run blocking, and I'm pointing to some play calling. I'm still pointing to some play calling. Some of it is real sus to me. Yeah, I mean, we it, it just I uh, I said this on Pack a Day last night to Kyle and Andrew, but I think the identity of the Packers' offense is that everything is harder than it needs to be. Like the the easy things are hard, and the hard things are impossible, and you're never ever going to win a football game if you can't even do the easy things right. They're like the most penalized team in the NFL. They can't get out of their own way. Every time there's like a promising drive, there's a false start. There's an ineligible man downfield. The love to Dobbs connection on the opening drive that did not stand because of the Rashid Walker penalty was a thing of beauty. It was gorgeous. That was everything you wanted out of your quarterback, everything you wanted out of your wide receiver. Those are the kinds of plays that you build on. And then a shitty penalty brings it back and you're just like okay well that was it that was the momentum that we lost for like the entire quarter it's so brutal to watch they literally beat themselves they do not allow themselves to have nice things and the Packers even switched out Rashid for Yash which I was like okay cool a change and then Yash gets hurt it's just like they can't get out of their own way and again like penalties are tough because it's execution. It's poor execution, but it goes back to just like not being well-prepared and well-coached and like, it's hard to point blame in places, but I just think it's like, why are your guys not prepared? And I mean, I understand like there's a stubbornness to coaching. And I think sometimes you have to be stubborn to be successful because there are certain things that, you know, your coaching staff is not going to give up on and whatever. But if you know the season's over, right? Like the Packers aren't going into the locker room every day going like we're pl- playoffs. Like we're, we're, we're not talking about playoffs. Like we understand that at this point, even if you had those expectations at the beginning of the season. And I'm also not saying Matt LaFleur is going up to the whiteboard and going like it is tank season. But if you're, you have to be willing to at least now try to figure things out. You have a third round pick in Sean Ryan what was the point of that draft pick? Like, why are you not figuring things out around your offensive line? Like you can't tell me that every single time they watch tape, they're like, yes, these are the perfect five. This is the perfect alignment of our perfect five. Like how bad are the guys behind them? If that's what you're trotting out every single week. And if they are that bad, then the fingers start getting pointed at guys like Brian Gutekunst, I think. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I, Ooh, there's so much to unpack here. <laughs> there's so much to unpack. Um, I think the conversation about Brian Gutekunst is for the offseason. Oh, yeah. Because be I, do, I do think you make a good point where it's like, okay, we have seen now. Like, this this is the roster that we've been given. And it's like, now, now we need to make some decisions about who stepped up this year and who didn't. And it is a roster and, that's drafted and developed. 
Like right, right. You you this is your philosophy. Did it work? Did it not? Who worked? Who didn't? And in a season where pretty much it was open table season for anyone, whether you were drafted, whether you not, where you were drafted didn't matter. Like like you said, it's not the best five out there, but if you're not getting playtime, there's serious questions here. And so if you aren't getting playtime this year, do you even deserve a roster spot? But these are off-season questions, right? Of like, again, the E word evaluation. <laughs> um, like there's going to be some, I hope, some serious changes. But that's my other thing about this team is like, are they super averse to serious changes because if they don't make them are they just going to be stuck in this like weird purgatory to go back to the game which we should do at some point we should to go back to the game (laughs) my point stands in that it just wasn't love and that's not to say again that he was perfect obviously he wasn't perfect but it's really hard to be perfect when your guys are continuing to make mistakes around you. Like you said, penalties that back you up. And again, like it's a snowball effect. Like take the Rashid Walker thing, right? Love Love and Dobbs come up with an amazing, what should be chain moving throw and catch. You get backed up. Then it completely changes the, the call that Matt LaFleur is able like to throw in. Your momentum is off. Your guys are off. Your timing's off. You can't get into a rhythm and you punt. Then you flip it. Your defense, I'm trying to remember if they ended up, they ended up letting the Vikings go down the field, right? And then they missed the field goal or had that already happened? That's what happened. Yeah. So, okay, you get a stop, kind of. But it's just like everything gets thrown. And this team is so... I don't know. I just feel like every little bump, every little bruise is not like, oh, it's just a little speed bump. It's like a huge hump. It's like a mountain become, it's like a mountain grows out of a molehill and they have to like, they take whole quarters just to like come down. They had more penalties than they did first downs in the whole half. Yeah. You know, these are, these are things that like young teams can't come back from, you know, you look at like old Packers teams with Aaron Rodgers led like these didn't these this didn't happen and if it did happen you snap back from this because you have a Cobb or a Brian Bulaga right or a Corey Lindsley or guys who just like didn't let this stuff happen or you had an Aaron Rodgers who's throwing daggers at you and you're not getting the ball that's the problem is Jordan Love isn't mean enough honestly that's what we've unearthed is that the problem no I mean no, I'm not advocating for that, actually. But, no, but like, but the point stands is, like, these things weren't tolerated. And I think yeah. there, there does need to be a little bit of that level of, like, this doesn't fly here. Um, and I think the only person in this locker room who has having that mentality right now is Rasul Douglas. Because yeah. he's like, no, we're not, we're not doing this young team thing anymore. We're not letting this stuff fly. Like, we have all played organized football before like these guys need to get their shit together and I think it's important it's really important because like they also need to 
you can't let yourself go out there and be like, oh, I'm just a young guy. Oh, I can make mistakes. No. That's why I'm like, I'm supremely disappointed in Christian Watson so far this season. I don't know how you feel, but I'm disappointed. Like, we saw what he could do last year. And it's not like Jordan Love isn't getting him the ball. So, like, what gives? Yeah, I'm disappointed in all of them. And, like, I I know we, you know, we'll probably talk about it a little bit later with the game balls thing. But on Pack-A-Day yesterday, my game ball went to A.J. Dillon because I felt like he was the only person that was consistently generating a spark. And I'm not saying it was on the ground. <laughs> but he led the team in receptions. You know, he moved the chains a couple times. And before we get into that, we can we can have that conversation later. One first down on a rushing play the entire game. One first down was a run play. I just, I don't know how that happens. And it's malpractice what's going on with Aaron Jones. Like if he's on that limited of a snap count, then I think he should have gone on IR. You know, like this will they, won't they, like can he play, can't he play? Like if he's hurt, then let him rest because if you can't utilize him effectively and he's just going to go out there for like 10 snaps a game and like risk tweaking something and like re-aggravating it then this is gonna that's not fair to anybody and if aaron jones can't be a spark for your run game and get things going then there's something really wrong and i think you talked about the really wrong thing is the the offensive line here but like it's just third down efficiency five of 14 35 percent on third downs. Meanwhile, Kirk Cousins had like a almost perfect passer rating against the Niners on third down. Like everything that we knew the Packers had to plan for, I, it's like it's like you gave them the the test sheet, right? And you had all the answers filled in and you're like you just got to like change a couple things and then walk it before up the- before we switch to the defense cuz I'm going to go scorched earth on this defense really fast. Um I want to talk about the Packers offense in the red zone. Okay. take it away because I watch like we've mentioned right they've gotten down they were one of the best teams in the red zone for the first like couple of weeks in the Mm -hmm. season right and all of a sudden they're getting down into the red zone and they're scoring no points and I find the play calling down in the red zone really confusing not bad, just confusing. And I honestly, some of the play calling, and I, this is this is something that I think we've talked about on the show previously, but just as an example, you get down to the red zone and it's first and goal and you call inside zone with A.J. Dillon straight into the butt of your interior offensive lineman. Goes nowhere, one yard. Okay. Basically... A draw play. You you basically add, you give up a give up a down. Second and goal. Same yardage. And now all of a sudden your play call is completely different. And it wasn't until fourth down, where it's it's do or die, where you draw up something interesting. Right, it's not a fade to the back of the end zone where you're making your guy do a contested catch, which your wide receivers have proven time and time again that they are bad at this season. I just gave you the stats; they're not good unless it's Romeo Dobbs. So you finally draw up something interesting, and look here—it's a touchdown. I just—I don't like. It's the same thing we've talked about, right? Where it's you know draw draw. <laughs> Inside zone, inside zone run, one yard, one yard, one yard. 
all of a sudden it's third down. You don't get the third down. And then you do on fourth down the really interesting little like tight end leak out to Luke Musgrave. And oh, look, you have a first down. And it's like, well, why didn't you do that on third down? Why didn't you do that on first and second down? If you know that it works, why are you doing these on do in do or die situations, Maddie? I just, these are my questions for LaFleur. And so if there are beat reporters out there listening, like if you want to ask him about situational play calls, like these are my questions because I know he has them and there are things that are working. Like I'm not sitting here and saying like they're punting on every single um, drive. Like they're not, we're watching these games. There are things on offense that are working, but it's just like situationally what's working and what's being called doesn't seem to be matching up. And that's where my questions are, is that like, when is it going to click? I mean, like, I think there's part of it too, where if you're not putting things on film for defenses, nobody's going to respect what you're doing. So if you march down the field and it's like eight passing plays and all of a sudden you get to the two yard line and you're like, I'm going to run it right now. They're like, no, you're not. Like they don't like nobody has to respect you if you've never tried to run the ball the entire drive. And then all of a sudden you get down by the goal line and you're like, we're going to run this three times. And one of them has to work <laughs> like that's, that's No, you know? So, I mean, that also I think is part of it is like you said, like where is, and I'm that's, it goes back to me. I mean, I think the question that I have on that's compounding on all of this, is it a trust thing? Because we saw, the I don't want to say they got taken away but it felt like Jordan Love wasn't allowed to air it out the last couple weeks and then we finally saw him start to do that again against the Vikings so is there a disconnect like I want to know what Matt LaFleur sees where he places a lot of this blame is it I can't call X play to Luke Musgrave at the goal line because he dropped the last three like he had the first down early in the game that went through his hands like is there just, is that why Romeo Dobbs got the touchdown? Cause he's been the most reliable receiver. Like I'm curious what is going into his decision-making when he's in those moments, like who's going to come through clutch. But if you're, then if you're saying, okay, we're only going to clutch, then like every play should be going Aaron Jones in the, in that zone, you know, and he doesn't have a single touchdown yet this season. I don't think, or he has one. Maybe. The Bears one. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, you can go through the logic. I just think that's my, that's my thing is that we're doing this like logically. And I quite frankly, haven't seen any logic that makes any sense. Yeah. (sighs) These are my questions. Um, Okay. We're already at 30 minutes. So let's go to the defense. Um, What the fuck? (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is going to be tagged as not suitable for children on YouTube. What the fuck? Girl, if I knew I would have a job in the NFL somewhere. Bro, if this season gives me one thing, it better be a defense that is not coordinated by Joe Barry next year. That's, That's it. I just... They are bottom of the league. You don't even need to see the stats. You can eye test it. They're obviously bottom of the league. I mean, what is happening? We said going into this this um, game, we're like, the Vikings are going to have their entire play sheet like open. They're going to be able to run the ball. They're going to be able to pass the ball. 
they were able to do whatever they wanted against this defense. It was easy. Everything was easy. Right. Like you shut them down on first and second. And it's like third and 15. And it's like, here's 16 yards. Just how many third and eights did Kirk convert? All of them. All of yeah. That's what it felt like. like. Perfect on third down. I mean, come on, man. What are we doing? Like, actually, on defense, what are we doing? Because once again, they couldn't stop anything. And you can say, oh, they kind of stopped the run. They were okay stopping the run. I don't care. Like, I respectfully don't care that you were, like, okay against the run if, once again, you let the Vikings convert literally every single third down. Right, and the Vikings are perfectly okay with 62 rushing yards if they're getting 297 yards through the air. Like, everybody's going to take that trade. And, uh, like, it. okay, right, we knew, like, in a Cosmic's, the stars aligned way that the Vikings didn't have a rushing touchdown all season. And the second they came to green Bay, they were going to score their first rushing touchdown. Like there was no doubt that that was going to happen on Sunday. (laughs) It just, and I've seen, you know, like we've talked about this philosophy, right. For Joe Barry, where it's like, keep it in front of you, let them dink and dunk their way down the field. No, right. Your defense do that. The Vikings had the ball for 13 more minutes than the Packers. And how are you setting a young offense up to be successful if the ball is not going into their hands? And yes, there were times where there were forced turnovers and the offense couldn't get anything going. So it's not all on the defense, but it absolutely is on the it's third and 11. And all of a sudden here's 14 yards. It's the chunk plays. It's the just this long sustained drives. Of course your defense is going to get gassed. Of course, you know, and the Vikings are absolutely going to take what you give them. If your whole play is I'm not going to give up a 50 yard touchdown, but I'm going to give up 13 yards every single play. So they take more time off the clock. Every team is going to say, yeah, we'll take that trade. Like we don't need the 70 yard bomb. Of course we'll just dink and dunk for 11, 12, 11. Yeah. The Packers haven't had a turnover in how many games? You mean like an interception? Yeah. They're like averse to turnovers. They sacked Kirk three times. Okay. They recovered that fumble. Yeah. Sure. But but no, I know what you mean. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for this defense to do something. I'm just, I'm waiting for this defense to do something for this team. And they are just below average. Everything feels super easy for the other team. They don't play hard. They're allergic to pass breakups. You know, like you watch the Vikings team against this Packers offense and they are fighting hard for the ball. They rally to the football. I mean, you watched, what's his face? Pluck the ball out of Jaden Reed's hands. When was the last time you watched a Packers defender do something like that? Yeah. And- you know, and, and this isn't to say that there aren't individual guys on the defensive side of the ball that I think are playing really hard and really Rashawn. fast. Rashawn. Yeah. Preston Smith had an awesome game. Kenny so- is always doing his best. Rasul has been all right. He's he been up and down. TJ Slayton had a great game. Colby Wooden had a great game. Colby Wooden blocked a field goal. That's sick. Quay Walker is literally a one-man defense. If we had 11 Quay Walkers, this team would be great. 
<laughs> I just like the 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 I'm going back to my chef that this to me the chef has the ingredients and he is just a bad cook. There's too much salt and not enough garlic and he's overdoing the tomatoes and he doesn't know when to take the the pan off the fryer. It's just it's bad. It's just the person orchestrating is doing a poor job with what he's being given for the umpteenth time. I'm so sick of watching the same shit every single weekend. Every single weekend. Every single team that goes up against the Packers does the same shit against them. And it always works. Mm -hmm. Like, clear out not just Joe Barry. Clear out the whole staff. Get rid of Jerry Montgomery. Get rid of all of them. Bring in a whole new slate of people. I'm so over it. Bring in someone who's damn aggressive, who can look at this secondary and say, hmm, we're going to play aggressive because y'all are man corners. Like, what are we doing here? And again, like, we can talk about Jerry really quick. So I'm really disappointed in my man. <laughs> but like, it just, it just goes back to the def- defensive coordinator. It always has. And again, like last season, they went on that great run. And I we said it over and over again. Turnovers will be a band-aid for bad scheme forever. Yeah. And it kept Joe Barry his job because they looked good. And it looks good when you're taking the ball away. Of course it does. But it's fluky as hell because they're not taking the ball away and they look bad. Yeah, and I mean we've we've always said like the asterisk here, of course, is that like Joe Barry is not missing tackles. Like Joe Barry's not on the field against Bijan Robinson. But what Joe Barry is doing is he's calling the personnel that is in those situations. Like he's calling two defensive linemen at the goal line. I think it was Larry McCarron, like on the radio broadcast, said, like, I'm not really sure why the Packers are in nickel right now. Like, <laughs> like when your own paid broadcasters are questioning the decisions that you're making. And I just, I, I, I don't understand again why these changes don't happen. And I'm not advocating like for a midseason firing. I don't think the Packers do that, but like everything is like, we got to watch the film. We got to make adjustments. There are no adjustments. So is it because you're that set in your ways or like your adjustments that you made are so minute that, that like we don't recognize them because there's just not. There is a solution to keep playing like this and you keep losing football games and then, you know, it is what it is, but there's just no outcome for this, this defense. And it's, again, it becomes hard to evaluate some of your young guys like Rashawn Gary got paid. You have a really expensive defense on paper. Are you going to keep all of those players? Like what, like what is the purpose of having all these pieces if they're not being utilized effectively? Yes. You keep investing pick after pick on in the first round on defensive pieces and your defensive coordinator can't do anything with them. So what's the point of drafting them? You're literally going to Whole Foods and you're paying like $150 for your groceries and then bringing it to some schmuck 
at a stand on the side of the road. Like that's what you're doing. It is such a waste. <laughs> the defense is the lettuce that you bought at Whole Foods that's rotting in your fridge while you get DoorDash because you don't want to well, eat the lettuce. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. I do think I, I agree with you though. Like mid season fire, I don't think does anything. Like if I thought that it did, I would say, I just don't think it does anything. It doesn't do anything for the, that side of the ball. It's not positive for morale. It's not positive for the locker room. Like it's just, who would you bring in? You you know, it's, if you really, really want someone good, you're waiting until the end of the season anyway, to see who gets fired. It's, it's not, it's too it's early just, to make a decision. It's too early, but it's shitty to watch. It just sucks to watch. Um, and I agree with you. It sucks to watch like a whole season's worth of just like good guys get like kind of their time wasted. Yep. I mean, we talked about the defense was going to be, you know, kind of the stars of the show this season, right? Not to throw out the excuse, but younger offense having to develop, needing time to develop chemistry. Defense is going to keep you in games. And for the most part, the defense has, yes, kept them in manageable situations but for every opportunity that they give the offense they're also letting an offense march down the field and score points on them so like they're not dominant in the ways that they need to be dominant or effective in the ways that they need to be effective to truly be helping their young offense like a fumble recovery once a game doesn't do enough to change the trajectory or give your your young offense support when you're letting, you know, you're like, hey, we're in a third and long, like this is the moment. And then here's 15 yards and the drive keeps going. You know, like it's just, again, evaluation. How many times have we said it? Like, take a shot, guys listening. Every time you hear us say the word evaluation, like literally, you just can't evaluate an offense or a quarterback when he's not on the field getting opportunities. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, it's not just, you know, we keep talking about evaluation and, it's not even just an evaluation for the offense. Like it's an evaluation year for LVN and Devonte Wyatt and Quay and like the safety group. And like, it's an evaluation for everyone. And once again, like if you're not being put in a position to succeed, then you're not getting the proper opportunity. And that sucks. Like that sucks for everyone. God, this team is a mess. I did not think it would be this bad. No, I think we all kind of got bamboozled because we had on paper again, like the pieces are there on paper and it's just a jumbled mess. It's like, it's like somebody accidentally let the, the paper go through the shredder and now you're trying to like tape all the individual lines back together to make something readable again. And I like Matt LaFleur, whoever's got the tape, I don't think one person can tape this back together. And unfortunately, I also don't think that Matt LaFleur's coordinators are like, I think the tape is sticking to their hands and they just are not actually helping that much trying to put this back together. They're like paper mache right now. They just like don't know what it's to just do. just wet and soggy. How many analogies can we use in this one episode? <laughs> we've got wilted lettuce. We've got tape hands. Let's, I don't know. What else is there to say? I don't know, but I think we're out of time. I think so too. I think, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll obviously be back later this week with a Packers Rams recap. And then next Monday, we'll probably be back. You know what? 
you probably don't even have to listen to that one. Just come back to this, hit play, grab a drink, make it fun, and we'll see what happens. But thank you, of course, as always, for listening to the show, Misery Loves Company. We love having you here with us. You can find the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast, of course, right here on YouTube at Pax What She Said, all other socials at Pax What She Said as well. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein and me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Of course, on YouTube, please subscribe. If you have not already, you'll get the episodes one day earlier. And then on every audio format, everywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. So thank you, as always, for listening to the show and joining us for these what have become weekly rants. <laughs> hopefully hopefully they get to stop soon. Um, but thanks for being here with us. And go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.